Welcome to Vows to Keep Radio with David and Tracy Sellers. Our mission is to help couples develop biblically healthy marriages through the application of God's Word and a deeper relationship with Him. We desire to help you and your spouse grow closer to each other and closer to the heart of God's design for your marriage. Now here's David and Tracy with today's broadcast. Hey, we are David and Tracy Sellers. And like you, we've made vows to keep. Tracy, whenever family get-togethers happen, I'm reminded of the tense, even sometimes explosive issues of in-laws. Years ago, when Tracy and I met, my family wasn't very accepting of her, and her family wasn't very accepting of me. It was a situation that didn't look like it was going to end well. And in fact, that was kind of the hope of everyone involved, except for the two of us. As a couple, we saw God leading us together, but our families, they still weren't convinced. We followed God anyhow, and on a beautiful warm day in November of 2001, Tracy and I made vows to keep, not the ministry, our marriage. And what a day that was. Two decades ago, walking down the aisle, we symbolically proclaimed before God and about a hundred and so witnesses that we had a new primary union. We were leaving our dependence on our parents and we're turning to each other as that primary love relationship. The core of our covenant to each other, David, was that no relationship other than, of course, our relationship with Jesus Christ as Lord is going to be more important than this relationship between the two of us. So to you as a listener, do you remember that day? If I could revisit that day from the perspective of my in-laws, I now realize that for them, the emotion they were probably feeling was this slight rejection. It was a replacement of a role that they had had in your life for over 18 years, and now some rookies about to take the reins in their daughter's life. After we were married, things didn't instantly change for the better. We now had this permanent situation that the rest of our families either had to accept or not accept. The problem starts right away, whether your in-laws are picture perfect or the monsters you see on TV. You've got to learn to deal with them somehow, some way. And today's show is all about that. Now, I remember early in our marriage, I sought advice from friends and even other people in my family. I mean, the consensus was this. Rule number one, don't freak out. This is completely normal to have in-law issues. And rule number two, you deal with your family. Make Tracy deal with her family. Now, I even got these same comments from like my college buddies all the way to my dad. This is the first time in my life that I ever sought advice and all the generations of advice givers aligned. So as a 20-something-year-old, I prayed about this advice. I even tried to heed this advice for months. What I learned, however, was that through prayer and God's word, that these commonly accepted perspectives were wrong and they were only making matters worse. I got to joke around here for just a second because some people say getting in-laws, David, is like reading the side effects off the worst prescription medicine bottle you could imagine. The instructions read like this. Take time with your in-laws twice weekly. Side effects might include nausea or vomiting. Yeah, well, you're tying the knots. So you're going to be proceeding with the prescription, but you hope and you pray that you're not one of the people who gets any combination of the 38 tragedies listed in the fine print. Today on Vows to Keep Radio, the do's and don'ts for married couples and the parents who struggle to love us. Today's subject is really a hot topic, and we're going to take it in two chunks. First, the newlywed couple who's just coming to grips with this in-law relationship. It's brand new. And for the married couple who's been dealing with in-law challenges for a while now. And then next week, we're going to be speaking to those who are the in-laws. You don't have the easiest road either. Loving someone new in your family who, of course, thinks they know it all 
and they probably don't. And we know you want to help them. So we want to help you to help your kids have a blessed marriage. We joke sometimes, as we've been doing today, (laughs) about the benefits of eloping. It's cheap, it's less stressful, but you still get the same surprise. Now you've got a whole second family. In a normal situation, you're a couple in transition from being under the leadership of your parents to becoming one with each other. Two inexperienced people making a new way. David, I would say that most couples in conversation at some point with someone else are going to declare that their in-laws are just crazy. I hope, though, that by the end of that conversation, they're actually praising God because their husband or wife is so likable to them, is so lovable to them, despite some of the failures that might have been in their house growing up. Naturally, we struggle with the tension that our own parents and our in-laws have been a normal, crucial part of our spouse's life. And this tension makes them a crucial part of your life as well. Leaving your parents doesn't mean you permanently withdraw and no longer have a good relationship with them. That's isolation, not leaving. The commandment in Exodus 20, 12 says to honor your parents. And that means that when you leave them, you do need to go with respect, with love, and affirmation for the sacrifices made in raising you. And while I'm not sure that I did that very well, the Bible also says that you must make a break from them. You need to sever your dependence on them. And we all kind of dig that part early on in our marriage. Like, hey, I'm cool. Mom, I got this. But then comes those first bills that you can't pay or the first fight that you can't resolve. And as time passes, you've got to be diligent to stop those little things that reestablish slivers of dependence, things that create long-term wedges at the critical points in your marriage. Today's show is all about pro tips from a couple who's been there and a couple that's helped a lot of others too. We're going to be talking about ways to not erode the transition to oneness and actually thrive with your in-laws long-term. It starts by making sure you understand how your spouse relates to their parents and be real about the biblical implications of that. If at decision time, your spouse is more reactive to his mom's opinion than yours, it's time to ask a tough question to yourself. I know I've been there. Is my desire for this decision Christ-like? And can I back it up with scripture? Because if you're immature and selfish, it's possible that your wife or your husband isn't picking sides. They're just doing what's most God-honoring. So don't get mad. Get real with yourself. In-laws sometimes present an opinion based upon a lot of experience, experience that you don't have. Don't hate them for that. Be aware, however, that opinions are like belly buttons. Everyone has one. So make sure you seek a unified decision with your spouse before you go turn outside your marriage for help. On the flip side, though, we've met many a husband, many a wife who never made the choice to cut ties with their parents. They never gave their spouse the rightful place in their life above their parents. And this plays out very predictably. Second, don't assume that this new in-law family relationship will resemble your parents' family. For example, in some families, sarcasm is this lighthearted thing, while in others, it's spiteful and it's ugly. It's viewed in two totally separate ways. I speak from experience. (laughs) In some families, I love yous. They're really said just all the time. It's real casual, almost like without meaning. In others, it's like painfully rare, but thought to have more significant meaning when it is said. And you've got to be mature about things like this. Your parents have to love you. It's in the contract, right? But your in-laws, nope, they don't. Yeah, maybe biblically, 
but it's it's almost at the same level as that smoke who cut him off in traffic yesterday. <laughs> maybe, maybe not quite, but we should accept the fact that our in-laws aren't our parents and they're not going to love the same way we've seen it done our whole life. Not every father-in-law lives to snake out your kitchen sink, even if your dad might love that job. Not every mother-in-law dreams of baking cookies with their grandchildren, even if your mom would fit that mold perfectly. Unless it's unbiblical, don't expect what people can't deliver. Adjust your thinking to the reality of your new situation. Even if you don't agree, ensure that you react on biblical terms. That is pure gold, Tracy. No matter how you feel about your in-laws, ensure that you react in a way that glorifies God, built on biblical foundation, because that's going to ensure a strong foundation to build a long-term relationship. Our third pro tip for a newly married couple, do take the time to get to know your in-laws in a meaningful way. Know what excites them. Know what they're passionate about. So many spouses don't take that high road with their in-laws, and then they wonder why hard times are made tougher. Isolation does some funny things, and I think, worst of all, we just assume the worst about them. So if you're separated from your in-laws by distance, text them, communicate with them some way, But in particular, make sure that you pray for them and ask them frequently how you can pray for them. I think some of the most important steps you can make as a newlywed is to initiate love toward the people who made your spouse who she is. No strings attached. Be polite. Be friendly to your in-laws. Use the same charm that you did when you were captivating your bride. Yeah, I'm thinking about scriptures, David, like Ephesians 4 and Ephesians 5. Ways that God tells us to talk, ways he tells us to treat one another, ways he tells us to love one another. And just because we're suddenly related to these people doesn't mean they're exempt. We have such an opportunity to pour God's love into them, just like we do everybody else. The fourth pro tip, as the newcomer, you're going to see brokenness in your in-laws. Why? Because you married a sinner and they came from two sinners. Be real, but don't rag on your spouse's family. Proverbs 26.20 says, Without wood, a fire goes out. Without a gossip, a quarrel dies down. So often, just talking about problems without a genuine effort to seek biblical advice is little more than gossip. Actually, it's just plain old gossip. So to not be in that mode, you've got to either keep your mouth shut or be looking for advice from someone you know is going to give you advice from a biblical viewpoint. With your words, you can quickly destroy your spouse's view of your spiritual maturity. When we just rat out the people involved or we whine about how it's personally offended you, that's what happens. When you see sin in your in-law's life, think about what your role might be and how God might be honing you to be used in that very issue in the future. Don't dismiss that you will have a platform to speak from. Maybe not now, but someday. Don't assume your in-laws are past help and, and then just disregard how God might tenderize your heart for them. It's true, older people tend to be more set in their ways, but where there is life, there's hope for the gospel to be applied. To close up tip number four, if there's an issue that's affecting you and your spouse, decide together how you're going to protect your marriage and how you will biblically be able to impact your parents. If you have a marriage question, please email questions at VowsToKeep.com. Vows to Keep will respond to you via email and perhaps use it on the air. Now let's rejoin Vows to Keep Radio with David and Tracy Sellers. 
Let's jump into pro tip number five. Loyalty is proven in the littlest things. When you go to your mom or your dad's house, you need to know that you must not ignore your spouse while you're with your family. It's bad form. Now, I know you might not always get to talk with your sister or your dad. It might be a really special time when you get to see them because they live in another state or something. But make sure you don't make your spouse into an island during that visit. I think the most important pro tip that we have today for newlywed couples is this. When you're going through that first couple difficult fights in your marriage, you've got to be mature enough to realize that your parents are rarely the best place to turn for support. Sure, they're always going to side with you, but what that means is that they will see the person who replaced them in your life as incapable. When Tracy and I were dating, her and her mom had a tight relationship. And I can remember after we were married and we had a couple of our first tiffs, I was in shock when I learned that she hadn't said one peep to her parents about our disagreements. I don't know why, I just expected it to be that way. And honestly, I didn't even totally appreciate that she had so much more foresight than I did. She taught me that in order to protect our future, we had to seek direction from scripture first and each other second. If one of your parents is the first person to get a call when your wife offends you, or you call them to rant about the way your husband parents, you've got to know you've just killed your spouse's shot at a good in-law relationship. And this is a hill that many in-laws really set up as a stronghold to die on. If you want to give your young marriage a chance, choose a better place to seek advice when your spouse and you are at odds. And I don't say this flippantly either because better resources are actually really hard to find. Seek out a pastor, a God-honoring friend. Those are better places to turn at this stage in your marriage. I'll never forget the day a young friend of mine got a call from his father-in-law about a disagreement that him and his wife were having. I was in the garage standing next to him. Ring, ring, his cell phone goes off. And here's this unsolicited call from his wife's dad where he learns his dad-in-law was convinced that he was being irresponsible for holding on to a dream of fixing up this old motorcycle that he had someday. Sell it. That was his dad-in-law's final declared sentence before ending the call. My buddy was fuming mad on several levels. My friend thought that this was this private conversation that he had been having with his wife Don't let a $500 motorcycle be the ammo that you give your parents to not respect your husband in the future. It's not worth it. Don't let your wife's choice of of a hairstyle or color a car that she prefers be the ammo that you give your parents to not respect your wife in the future. On the flip side of that same coin, we would actually recommend that you do just the opposite. Build up your spouse every single chance you get in front of your parents. These are powerful, practical principles for that fresh in-law relationship. Now let's shift into second gear toward the couple who's been married long enough. They have an established in-law tension burning down the fibers of their family. This has been every married couple given enough time. It's inevitable. We know that there's going to be tension because we're sinners. Some couples come to vows to keep and find that this subject is really disruptive. It's very painful, actually. Having in-laws is not like having friends that you can choose. Imagine anyone else in your life saying to you, I'm assigning you two new friends. They're crazy as a lark. And by the way, someday you're going to have kids and they're going to keep them overnight. Well, you're going to say, yeah, right. Fat chance. If you've experienced some heartburn with your in-laws already, you know it won't be easy to rebuild bridges. But it's a cause worthy of your attention. It's an investment for the rest of your married life. Unfortunately, many, if not most couples do actually not cut the apron strings. They lengthen them instead. 
We show this when we're afraid to confront our parents and when we turn to our parents for support, be it emotionally or financially. If your marriage isn't financially independent from your parents in every way, you're actually asking for problems you probably don't want. When we find ourselves reacting in unhealthy ways within our marriage to each other or our kids because we feel responsible for our parents' unreasonable emotions, that's a sign that you've not really left. Becoming responsible within your marriage goes a long ways towards solving in-law problems. Men, think about what will be best for your wife before you go try to please your parents. Ladies, same, same. Ephesians 5.25 says, For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave his life up for her. That's a high bar, guys. Love your wives. Be loyal to them. For example, Jack and Diane were passively dealing with their in-law problems for a while. Jack was just intimidated by his overbearing in-laws. And as a result, they began to withdraw emotionally from her folks. Everyone felt it, but they really tried to just downplay it. By the time that they had kids, though, Jack realized that the status quo wasn't going to work. Backseat parenting by the in-laws was clearly not going to be acceptable, given the way that you know grandma and grandpa basically wanted to spoil this child, even in moments of great disobedience. So this couple researched God's word about parenting, and they felt well-positioned to talk about how they interpreted these verses. So in choosing to find a solution to their problems, they promised to be gentle but honest with her parents. It was either respect our godly applied parenting rules in our absence, or you're not going to be trusted to be alone with our kiddos. In addition, Diane read this out of Ephesians 5.33, the wife should have a deep respect for her husband. And she made a bold verbal commitment to put her marriage first and her parents second in that same conversation. She affirmed her parents as a trusted resource, but not one that would be God-honoring to put before her husband. Approaching the situation with a biblical foundation as a united front provided courage and at the same time earned the respect of her parents, something they were not expecting. The parents were actually embarrassed and didn't see everything in the same way, but they were supportive and even commended them for taking the stance that they did. Things worked out fine, but you need to check your hearts. Are you asking your in-laws to change to meet your personal preference Or is it actually something that you find objectable because it's a biblical directive? As a couple, set boundaries and limits. We found this was especially important with kids in the world of eating when you have toddlers. With your spouse, decide what's important and don't let going to your parents' house cause your family decision to be muted. Kindly communicate each of your key expectations to your in-laws and force the boundaries and limits, especially if they're important to your spouse. Being one with your spouse is absolutely key. God's pretty straightforward when instructing a married couple to leave their parents. The Hebrew word used in Genesis 2.24, which states a man should leave his father and his mother and cleave to his wife, it's meant to forsake dependence upon, like leave behind, release, let go. Later, Jesus addresses this issue when he said that no one was ever intended to come between a husband and a wife. We can read that in Matthew 19. No in-laws, no mother, no father was meant to divide a couple who made a covenant to each other to leave, to cleave, and to become one flesh. This pointed instruction is super needed. I mean, this isn't just good advice. It's a biblical directive. God knows that leaving our parents is difficult. It's not one choice. It's hundreds of little ones. I hope you didn't get married and underestimate this. Otherwise, you will unknowingly potentially halt a process of separation 
with some pretty high consequences. For example, we work with a couple sometimes. Let's call them Dan and Stacy. They're a midstream family. They've got young kids, young careers, and they're living about 20% beyond the means that God has given them. They've got a new five-bedroom house, two nice cars, and they have unnecessary spending. Anytime we live beyond what we can afford means that both spouses are forced to work while mom-in-law watches the kids. It happens a lot. And that means that mom-in-law is a controlling force in the marriage. She's probably even 100% well-intentioned. She's there to help, but hey, she's human. When she sees something she doesn't like, she's going to feel very empowered to wage that opinion. The Bible warns in Proverbs 22.7, the borrower is a slave to the lender. Grandparents providing free childcare involves forms of credit that often doesn't result in such a positive outcome for families. Here's the acid test. Do you or your spouse feel a slave to that opinion because there's an unhealthy dependency maybe there on your in-laws? Placating people to keep the peace rarely solves the problem, especially if your in-laws have a strong opinion. Let me explain where this goes because situations like this have pretty much like a 95% success rate of robbing a husband of his family's leadership potential. The wife keeps looking to her mom and her dad to bail them out of poor choices. Her husband doesn't grow up. He's not facing his responsibility to make correct choices for his family. Instead, they're living with the consequences of these poor decisions. And it doesn't take long, and he's losing self-respect as a man, and it's undermining his wife's respect for him as well. You have to be willing to look at the bigger picture. Leaving and cleaving means that we must trust God as our provider first. We must live within our means and not give in to the offers of parents who are well-intentioned to help as an ongoing plan to survive. Parents and in-laws might be a God-given safety net for short-term and unforeseen exceptions, but if in-laws are enabling a significant part of your life, can you really say you've truly left their care as God instructs? Yeah, not so much. And this isn't just a financial thing. It can be deeply destructive to be emotionally dependent on a parent ahead of your spouse as well. If you've been married for several years and one of your parents qualifies as your best friend, that might be a red flag in your marriage that you need to check on. Is it always wrong to talk to a parent about a concern? When is it appropriate? If you and your spouse both agree on reasonable boundaries, this issue doesn't actually have to be a problem. If you don't agree on the state of these relationships, you need to make right past wrongs by apologizing first to your spouse and then to your parents for crossing those boundaries that have actually probably stunted the growth of your marriage and potentially hurt their impression of your spouse. Well, we're out of time. Our final pro tip, I want to encourage you husbands to be the man and to protect your wife. Never leave your spouse to fend for your marriage while you cower on the sidelines. I've heard so many horror stories of a couple saying, hey, you take care of your side, I'll take care of mine. Remember, this was the advice that I got from everyone I asked when I was asking about how to deal with in-laws. Sometimes you may need to graciously but firmly step in and shield your wife from a manipulative parent. I implore you to gently guard your wife's heart and your marriage from a dad or mom whose intentions may be good but counterproductive. Your goal should be to have an awesome, godly relationship with your in-laws. You don't want it to progress to brokenness and finally isolation. That's not God-honoring. No matter which side of the fence you're on today, your in-laws are the ones who cared for and raised your spouse, and they're going to be caring for your grandchildren as well. No matter what their imperfections are, you need to be thankful for them and know that God has put them in your life for a reason, and He's going to use them in your life. 
We hope that today's broadcast has challenged and equipped you to have a fighting chance at a well-rounded relationship with your in-laws. Next time I've asked to keep radio, if you are the in-law, that's the broadcast for you. Be sure to tune in, even if you're not in that stage yet, though, because if you have kids, you're going to be an in-law soon enough. Vows to Keep is supported by a team which includes biblical coaches, writers, and pastoral advisors. If you have a desire to serve marriages in your community, we would love to hear from you. Vows to Keep is a not-for-profit marriage ministry designed to bring God's encouraging truth to the marriages of our area. As a not-for-profit organization, our commitment to Christ-like marriages includes providing much-needed services regardless of a couple's financial ability to offset the cost of Vows to Keep operations. If you are unable to donate your time or abilities but would like to help support Vows to Keep financially, visit VowsToKeep.com and click on the donate link. This program is sponsored by Vows to Keep of Zanesfield, Ohio.